Bam 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 Welcome back, everybody. It's Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. I'm Lisa Linky, and that gorgeous laughter is from Misty Stinnett. And we are in the friendly confines of Fairfax Village Studios, uh, produced by the inimitable... Inimitable. Inimitable. Well, whatever. Who can know? Who can well, care? It's a mystery for the ages. It is a mystery... Sav, everybody. Sav. Um, award-winning audio producer. Maybe not yet, but soon to be. <laughs> no, seriously. Sav, Sav is blowing up. He is getting Get him while you bigger can. and bigger projects. And I feel like soon we will be like throwing pebbles at his window. Please, being like, please let, let us in. in. Please let us record <laughs> another episode. Please. Uh, and there is a special guest in the next room who shall remain quiet. If I have anything to say about it, that's my dog, Zoe. She better be a real good girl. She's being so good. Well, so far. Sam's like, don't say that. That's my that's my house. Um, anyway, <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, you're here because you clicked on us and at one point. And we say thank you. Uh-huh, and you subscribed. You probably gave us a rating and a review. And if you didn't, why it's not? Time. It's yeah, time. Yeah. And actually, it's so funny. I, I was thinking this as I was walking up this morning. It's been a minute since we have reminded everybody to please subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't. It helps us so much. And also, we read the reviews. Any feedback you give us, we're reading it, baby. Look how kind Misty is. She says, it really helps us. I'm like... What do you you haven't you don't pay for this? Why don't you just help us out? Help a sister or two out, please. It's a swipe and a tap a and a swipe, swipe and a tap, a flick and a click, and we couldn't be more grateful. A flick and a click is relevant to the book we're gonna cover. Today. Oh, I'm very excited. Anyway, this is a podcast <laughs> where we uh, read and review and present to you a different self help book every week. Yeah, uh, and this week Misty has read it and will be presenting to me, and I will be you. Your voice, listener, yeah. the audience who doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Also, we cuss. And um, <laughs> I will be your curious yet uh, discerning, discerning uh-huh. uh, listener. And just as a heads up, if you're new to the podcast, I hate self-help. I'm too Midwestern. I don't like anybody telling me what to do. Right. So I come out with very harsh side eye. She's coming in hot. I am coming in hot and angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and Misty is... Coming in open and gullible. <laughs> no, not gullible. And you just like... Just basically with blinders on, being like, everyone's lovely. I will say, you're not gullible, but I do love that when we reviewed Can't Hurt Me, a week later you texted me and go, the further I get away from that book, the more I realize it really was toxic. No, uh, no, I think I came in and I said, the more I sat with that book, I realize it's so fucked up. (laughs) But for whatever reason, when I'm in, I can't see the forest for the trees sometimes. And then I like step back and I like sit with how the book made me feel and it's garbage. through a heaping, steaming pile of poo at Misty. She turns into a dung beetle, turns it into a beautiful spherical ball, and rolls herself to freedom. It's truly amazing. Okay, I love that metaphor, but I also want to step in and say, I have self-respect, and if you throw poop at me, I'm going to say you crossed a boundary. 100%. And don't do that. Simply a metaphor, just saying that (laughs) you make sunshine out of anything. It's true, and Lisa holds up a really wonderful critical lens to be like, no, that's fucked up. Yeah, because I'm like, don't fuck with me. I'm too old for this shit. But not even that, but like, why 
Look, we're asking all the hot topic questions. Why should we listen to these authors? How are they qualified? Are they even qualified? How, how deeply should we let their words sink in? Why this? Why who's, now? Who, who cares? So How so? <laughs> we do this for you, which is mm-hmm. why you should read and subscribe and give us a review, so that you don't have to. You'll yeah. know in under an hour whether or not you want to buy this book because we can't cover everything. Yeah. We'll cover the hits, the the, the main points, all the good, juicy, maybe yeah. some little tidbits. Um, and we'll, conversely, if it's a raging dumpster fire, of which there yeah. have been several, we will tell you to avoid at all costs. Like our goal is to entertain and inform, and hopefully you glean something useful. The other day at lunch, I was sitting with people and we were talking about coronavirus. With people. People on the cast of Bless's Mess. Mm. My final day of filming. And we were talking about coronavirus and some people were very anxious and some people were trying to remain, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just Mm -hmm. informative about it. And I explained nuts to them from the self-driven child. (gasps) And how did it go over with the group? I was like, this is why everybody is having different reactions to this because it's novel. It's um, a new... Unusual? No, novel. Novel. This has never happened before. Unpredictable. It's a threat to the ego because you might you might die. You have no sense of control, and you have no sense of control. That's the acronym NUTS. And then I explain what book it came from, and two people who were parents were like, "I have to buy that immediately." So you're welcome. You're welcome to the authors, Bill and Ted, Um, Bill and Ned. But anyway, um, that's that's us in a nutshell. That's us in a nutshell. Today, Misty, you have brought a book which you have said is going to make me very happy. (sighs) Okay. I want to say up top, I'm so nervous to present this book. It's on a topic we haven't covered yet. Poop? It's poop. No, we've covered that plenty. No, no, it's poop. It's it's called poop all day, every day. Poop in your daily poop, life. Poop, it, poop in your pooty What's, is what I said. <laughs> pooty? I was trying to say potty, <laughs> but it came out wrong. Pooty is such a funny word. Like, Do you have to go poop in the pooty? Yeah. Oh, no, I think pooty is like... A part of your body, and I'll let everyone out, everyone just your nose. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, so it's on a topic we haven't covered yet. Sex. Yeah, it's sex. Is it? It's all about sex, and I'm really nervous. Wait, are you for real? A hundred. I feel like we kind of covered a little bit of sex. Oh, we have, but in like like clearly we've talked about consent and assault and those sorts of things like Chanel Miller's Know My Name, right. her incredible, exquisite memoir. Mm-hmm. And we've sort of talked a little bit about it, but this is a deep dive. But I'm I'm also really nervous because I want to do it justice and I want to do the research justice. And this is such a comprehensive book. Okay. So just know up front, if you, you don't like what I'm saying, it's my fault. <laughs> okay. I've let down my hair. Lisa literally let down her hair and did like a swishy thing. And I'm okay. bringing on my sexy voice. You are. What is the title of this book and who is the author? Everybody, today I am presenting the New York Times bestseller, Come As You Are, the surprising new science that will transform your sex life by Emily Nagoski, PhD. Yes. Now, you, we had a, uh, your sister recommended this book, right? Oh, Yeah. Heather recommended this book, but I started hearing about it from different people a few months ago and was like, I think I was just nervous to cover a book like this. Because why? Well, I don't want to overshare. I'm afraid I'll accidentally say something and just because we try to be comedic. You know, we are comedic sometimes mm-hmm. on the podcast. We, un- unintentionally. And, uh, unintentionally. <laughs> we try to be as serious and joyless <laughs> as we can. Um 
but I don't want to say something in jest that accidentally shames someone. Okay. I don't want to reveal too much of myself. Also, I'm my mother nervous. is listening. Linda, take your top off. Let's do this. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. See, also, that's what I'm saying. I'm nervous and terrible things Linda are going to come out I has taken a break, which any listener who needs to take a break, we cover a lot of self-help. It's yeah. at a very rapid pace. Yeah. Sometimes we need a break. So yes. If you need to drop off, we'll be here. We're going to be here churning out content at uh, an anxiety-inducing pace. That's true. So My mom listens to every episode multiple times. Well. So, Karen, welcome. Karen. Welcome we're, back. You're about to hear your middle girl, not your baby girl, but at one time was your baby girl. Talk about I, No, I'm her baby girl. <gasps> That's right. Your baby my girl. Little, Talk my about... little sister is same dad, different mom. That's right. Yeah. So I'm my mother's youngest. Here we go. Your mm-hmm. baby girl going to talk about sex. Baby. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about Emily you. Nagoski. <laughs> Let's talk okay. about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Okay. okay. As of right now, this book is the number one bestseller in general sexual health on Amazon. Okay. The number three book That's in my sexuality. Favorite RV general, general sexual health reporting. Yeah. The number five book in history of LGBT and gender studies. Okay. And the number five book in women's health. So this is all on Amazon. So this is a huge bestseller. Okay. Okay. I'm here um, for it. Okay. The current. Just so you guys know that Misty is resetting every time she talks. Her hands are doing their own <laughs> dance, but they also do like. Come, come back to her chest also like clasping her pearls. I it's want amazing. you to know I'm like fully awkwardly overcompensating for my nerves mm-hmm. in my I'm like doing this like sort of body roll situation as I talk it's okay. adorable the hardcover mm-hmm. I did not see a hardcover but let me tell you it is that kind of book <laughs> it is a classy book the paperback's twelve sixty six. Sure. The Kindle's nine ninety nine. Sure. The audiobook is fifteen eighty seven. Or a credit, and the Overdrive app is free. But there's a long wait. Who? Sure, there is. Who? Mm. But that makes it better. Who? Who reads the book? Emily Nagoski. Great. Let me tell you, her voice is warm and soothing and pleasant and feels safe and it's wonderful to listen to. Did you read this on normal or did you listen to this on Audio normal book. speed? Yeah. Wow. Okay, 1.25, but that is normal speed for me. That's right. Sometimes I went to one and a half. Okay. (laughs) I think... (laughs) So I come in and I talk like this because I've been listening to an audiobook where they talk like this. Uh, It's truly wonderful. Lisa, will you please describe the cover for me? Oh, I've seen this cover. Here go the thing. It's pink (laughs) and in white, big, bold letters, all caps, it says, come as you are. And then in... Yellow, in between that, it says the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. Mm-hmm. Emily Nagoski, PhD. Um, in bold yellow, New York Times bestseller at the top, and then a master class in the science of sex at the bottom. But now, what's the actual image in pink is a, a purse, a coin purse that's been unzipped, a yellow coin purse that's been unzipped, and then the inside of the coin purse is, is red. And they want you to think that it's a vagina. It looks... Like a vaginal opening. It sure does. But what I love is the zipper. It's being like unzipped, like you're revealing something about your sexuality. Sure, sure. A vul- is... I think it's a vulva. Uh, a vulva. That's it's a vulva. Been, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the proper names. Mm-hmm. So what's so funny is when I first looked at this. Is this book why everybody, why we're talking about the proper names now? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I bet. Um, every time I looked at this cover, I thought for some reason there was a red canoe on the front until I looked closer. Okay. That's what Misty <clears throat> calls her vagina. My canoe. You want to go canoeing this I'm, weekend? Everyone's welcome like, Welcome to my red canoe. No. <laughs> 
my red canoe of pain. Okay. <laughs> this about the author, this is a combination from Amazon.com and Emily Nagoski's website, Great. which is emilynagoski.com. Why should I listen to Emily Nagoski? Oh, she's everything. Okay. Emily Nagoski is a wellness education director and lecturer at Smith College, where she teaches women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. She has a Ph.D. in health behavior with a doctoral concentration in human sexuality from Indiana University. That's my alma mater. <clears throat> oh, great. That's where the Kinsey Institute is. Oh, amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really – and I think it's like the only – there are not a ton of formal programs in sexuality, yeah. especially women's sexuality, which she was saying, mm -hmm. um, which is very exciting. And she also has a master's degree in counseling with a clinical internship at the Kinsey Institute Sexual Health Clinic. Mm -hmm. She has taught graduate and undergraduate classes in human sexuality, relationships and communication, stress management, and sex education. She is the New York Times bestselling author of Come As You Are and the Come As You Are workbook, as well as three guides for Ian Kerner's goodinbed.com and including the Guide to Female Orgasm and her own blog, The Dirty Normal. Excuse me. She is a trained Gottman Stephen Principles educa educator with extensive specialized training in bystander intervention, motivational interviewing, and cultural inclusivity, including race, gender, and class. Okay. She also has a couple of different TED Talks, including The Truth About Unwanted Sexual Arousal, that you can view on her website, and a podcast she hosts with her twin sister called The Feminist Survival Project 2020. Oh, my God. She says her mission in life is to teach women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies. And she has her full resume listed on her website, and it is fascinating. Okay, now you know that our friend Misty did love that. Well, do you know how like with Bruce Bryans or the author of Unfuck Yourself, mm -hmm. we were like, what are these vague credentials? Excuse like, me, it's Unfuck Yourself. <clears throat> unfuck Yourself. Yeah. Get spectacularly no, into your life. Is that the book is the book you're holding and it's so right. confusing. It's vague. It's like, oh, like this is a person who writes about stuff sometimes and has counseled a lot of people. And you're like, be specific. You literally can see Every workshop Emily's ever but taken. But also every... a commentary on misogyny, which and, and that she uh, probably feels required to do so in order to be. Maybe. I think it's because she's an academic. She's going, here are all my publications. Here's mm -hmm. all my training. Where is Jen Sincero from You're a Badass? Mm -hmm. No fucking credentials that we can find Fair. before the book. Fair. Right? So, like, good for you, Jen well, Sincero. She, Audi. It's, she bought the Audi and was like, I'm going to put up. I'm, I'm going to write a book. Um, I'm going to write a bit. I would also add to her um, bio that she feels like my new best friend and I love her. Okay. Okay. So uh, it's 416 pages. Okay. The audiobook is just under 12 hours. I recently listened to an audiobook, audiobook that was 10 plus and mm. it's a slog. It's a slog. I listened to this book for like three weeks. Okay. Right? So that's why I like to do like the light three hour audiobooks in between because like Homegirl has to average, like, eight hours a book, okay? <laughs> so as far as first impressions, when I started listening to it, I immediately loved it. Okay. The feelings I got right off the bat were that I felt reassured, mm -hmm. safe, and empowered. All right. I don't know that I have had that experience ever reading a self-help book. Not even from The Big Leap? <clears throat> <laughs> I'm dead. The big leap. No, no, no. Um, turn down $50,000 jobs and live in your zone of genius. Oh, and make sure you're a white male. I loved it. I was like, this is attainable. This is great. Okay, okay. So she's got a really pleasant, soothing voice. Mm -hmm. It's also really funny. 
Okay. She's got a great sense of humor. She's got jokes. At one point, she's she um, has a little PSA to E.L. James and and offers what oh she thinks a rewritten God. scene from Fifty Shades of Grey would sound like if it were accurate. I am buying this book. It's so, it's so fucking good. Um, it's really easy to digest. It's intersectional. And it's playful. Okay. I loved every minute of it. I'm here um, for it. I also loved the way she structured it. So this is a very thorough book. Okay. I don't think there needs to be a follow-up on this book. It's not going to be a second parter where it's like, come as you are twice. You know, like there's going to be none of that. But could there be? May, I mean, maybe, but it's so comprehensive. She includes a <laughs> TLD. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Look. Friends. <laughs> Misty is I'm so going on less than six book. hours of sleep, and, and I'm so, so excited. excited about this book. Lisa's going to throw brilliant bits at me, <laughs> and as I'm listening back to give notes on this episode later, I'm going to go, damn it. No, it's fun for me. <clears throat> but you all get it, I and like, you hear yeah, me skip I it. I like sneaking it under <clears throat> the carpet. Okay. Amazing. She concludes a TLDR. TLDR summary at the end of every single chapter. So too long didn't read is what that acronym is. It's just a fun way of saying it on Reddit. I love it. Um, reminding you the big ideas. And then at the end, she sums up the whole book with really nice reminders. So this is so digestible. It was published in March of 2015, by the by. Here we go. Okay. This book is so comprehensive. There's no way I could do it justice um, in the short time that we have. So what I'm going to do is cover some of the big ideas of the book that really resonated with me so we can dive deeper into those. Because we're clearly all buying this right now. Everyone – okay, here's the thing. If you have a vagina – if you're sleeping with someone who has a vagina. If you came out of a vagina. Or if you know someone with a vagina, you need to read this book. Guess what? It's it's I have a it's I have a new um credit available oh as gosh. of today. And you have convinced me I'm right now. Lisa literally has her phone in her hand. Mm-hmm. She's doing it. It's mm-hmm. so it is so worth I would pay over a hundred dollars for this book. It's unbelievable. Here we go. Here we go. Lisa got it. Credits add to your library. Add to wish list. The credit should come in tomorrow. Anyway, as great, soon as the it's happening. Comes in. So there are four parts of the book, and <clears throat> uh, there's nine chapters, and they're divided into four parts of the book. And each of those chapters has many different subcategories. We so love I'm, tiny. I'm not, we love tiny digestible bits. We love it. So I'm not going to read all those subcategories here because just reading that would take yeah. about 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but they're all informative and they're all entertaining. She also includes caveats in the introduction before chapter one even starts that not enough is known about trans women's sexualities. Okay. So this book mostly applies to people who identify as female mm-hmm. and were born with, with this, the parts that would make people in the room go, Anat- it's a girl. Anatomically. Yes. Female. And then were raised in a way where they also identify as female and include Great. all those cultural pressures Great. for that. So she starts by immediately addressing this fact. You are normal. So she says, here's what I need you to know right now. The information in this book will show you that whatever you're experiencing in your sexuality, whether it's challenges with arousal, desire, orgasm, pain, no sexual sensations, is the result of your sexual response mechanism functioning appropriately in an inappropriate world. You, you are normal. It's the world around you that's broken. That's actually the bad news. Uh The good news is that when you understand how your sexual response mechanism works, you can begin to take control of your environment and your brain in order to maximize your sexual potential 
even in a broken world. And when you change your environment and your brain, you can change and heal your sexual functioning. Nice. This book contains information that I have seen transform women's sexual well-being. I've seen it transform men's understanding of their women partners. The promise of Come As You Are is this. No matter where you are in your sexual journey right now, whether you have an awesome sex life and want to expand that awesomeness, or you're struggling and want to find solutions, you will learn something that will improve your sex life and transform the way you understand what it means to be a sexual being. And you'll discover that even if you don't yet feel that way, you are already sexually whole and healthy. The science says so. I can prove it. I love her. I love her. Two quick things. Yep. I wish Kelly on Love is Blind had this book. <laughs> and um, two, Love is Blind is everything, right? <laughs> and two, um, have you seen the the video made with images and Cynthia Nixon reading that poem? Be a lady, they said. Be a said. lady, they said. We That's, will put a link to Be a Lady, they this. said, in show notes because – for anybody, for any of our um, non-female identifying listeners, watch that video. And if you think any part of it seems batshit crazy or it's over-exaggerated or there's too many contradictions and it doesn't make sense, let me tell you in my experience. It made perfect it's sense. It's a thousand percent true. It was like, yeah. So, so You're that's too what small. That, You're too big. The eat world more, is you broken. Don't eat enough. That, mm-hmm. That's what that really was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's in the zeitgeist. Absolutely. Okay. She also says... She has a little footnote and says, I'll use they as a singular pronoun rather than he or she throughout the book. It's simpler as well as more inclusive of folks outside the gender binary. I love it. We love her. She's already inclusive. So here's the first huge concept. No two alike. All the same parts organized in different ways. We all have the same parts. They are just organized in different ways. The clitoris can be a tiny bump or it can be more than an inch long. The labia minora, the small lips of a woman's vulva, can hang outside the larger outer lips, or they might be tucked in underneath. She says there are all different configurations, and all are normal, healthy, and beautiful. So again, instead of going chapter by chapter, I'm just going to talk about the concepts that resonated with me. And you're mostly going... Yeah, mostly going from beginning as we should, right? Front to back, right? So it starts. We're going to start with anatomy and then work into some philosophical stuff. And I, if anybody listening is feeling uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with Misty even talking about this, can you have compassion for yourself and recognize that this is not a function of anything that's wrong with you? Yeah, but again, a function of what's wrong with this world. And that's exactly what she says. And I think what Emily Nagoski would say is, if you are feeling uncomfortable in this moment. Isn't that great information? Mm-hmm. Can't you get curious about that and compassionate and go, well, why do I squirm when we talk about sex? Don't get furious. What sort of cues did Stay I get curious. from culture? Yeah. You know, that makes me or my family that makes me comfortable yeah. or uncomfortable. Yeah. So we all have the same parts, just mm-hmm. organized in different ways. So here's what she says. Every body's genitals are the same until six weeks into gestation, Mm -hmm. when the universal genital hardware begins to organize itself into either the female configuration or the male configuration. So we all start out with the exact same base. Um, Here's how it happens. 
About six weeks after the fertilized egg implants in the uterus, there is a wash of masculinizing hormones. The male blastocyst, a group of cells that will form the embryo, responds to this by developing its prefab universal genital hardware into the male configuration of penis, testicles, and scrotum. The female blastocyst does not respond to the hormone wash at all. It says, I am sorry to this blastocyst. No, I am sorry to this wash of hormones. I do not recognize you. Closed for business. Thank you. Um, and the the female blastocyst instead develops its prefab universal genital hardware into the default female configuration of clitoris, ovaries, and labia. Welcome to the wonderful world of biological homology. Homologs are traits that have the same biological origins, though they may have different functions. Each part of the external genitalia has a homologue in the other sex. Right. So <clears throat> the ovaries are the testes, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The labia is the scrotum and the clitoris is the <clears throat> penis. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she says, I've mentioned two of them already. Both male and female genitals have a round-ended, highly sensitive, multi-chambered organ to which blood flows during sexual arousal. On females, it's the clitoris. On males, it's the penis. And each has an organ that is soft, stretchy, and grows coarse hair after puberty. On females, it's the outer lips, the labia majora. On males, it's the scrotum. These parts don't just look superficially alike. They are developed from the equivalent fetal tissue. If you look closely at a scrotum, you'll notice a seam running up the center, the scrotal raft. That's where his scrotum would have split into labia if he had developed female genitals instead. That's the name of my new uh, improv team, scrotal raft. By the way, it's R-A-P-H-E. Is that Rafe? Raff. It's all r- it's Rafe Raff to me. <laughs> Rafe Raff. That's my new rapper name. Homology is also why both brother and sister will have nipples. Nipples on females are yes. vital to the survival of almost all mammal species, including humans. So it's, it's a perpetual question. Why do men have nipples? Yes, I'll tell you. I'll tell you in two seconds. Um, she says, though, a handful of old mammals, such as the platypus, don't have nipples, and they instead just leak milk from their abdomens. <laughs> because the, because their babies have bills. Right, right. So, Eva, thank you. <laughs> So evolution built nipples in right at the very beginning of our fetal development. It takes less energy to just leave them there than to actively suppress them. And evolution is as lazy as it can get away with. So both males and females have nipples. Same biological origins, different functions. Um, The functions of men being laziness. Right. But this... (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. super. Just kidding. Just that's what we're. I'm here for comedy, guys. We're I'm here. here for comedy. Comedic relief. So she spends a ton of time explaining all the same parts organized in different ways, including our brains and what we respond to. Yeah, it's like pizza. Everybody's likes their pizza a different way. Some people put pineapple on their pizza. Yeah. Some people like gluten free and like vegan cheese. But yeah. at the end of the day, it starts off as it just ends up with different kinds of peanut. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, but it's really empowering to and think like, good, well, to think like, as long as you're not experiencing pain, you're normal. Whatever the answer is, you're normal. Yeah. If you're like, oh no, but I think well, my I'm parts look weird or blah, Even blah, blah. if you are experiencing pain, you're normal. You're just having some sort of pain pain response do you know what i mean yeah. like it's still normal yes you're just having either oh sorry sorry yeah. uh, uh, if you're having unless you're having pain you're healthy yes yes you're, that's yes. what i meant to say but like all the same parts organized in different ways mm-hmm. it, 
no two alike. No two vulvas are alike, yes. et cetera, right? So let's stop this vulvaplasty. Thank you. So a word on words. She walks us through what female anatomy is actually called. Many of us use the term vagina to describe our outer genitals and labia and the whole, the whole shebang. shebang. But huh, it would like to be shebanged. But that would be <laughs> shebang, shebang. <laughs> oh, baby. That's a, a vulva, vulva. <laughs> But she says that calling your whole package the vagina is a lot like calling your face your throat. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I just have to. Look at my throat. Do yeah. you love the eyeshadow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my eyelashes done. How does my throat look? Yeah. It's like, no, it's not quite right. So That's right. So, because the vagina is the actual, like. Birthing canal. Birthing canal. It's That's the right. birthing canal. It's that canal in there. The vulva is the outer part containing the labia, the lips, and the mons pubis is that soft, fleshy part where your hair grows. Right? I will say there was a great Twitter um, mansplaining example. There was a woman who had uh, – she posted a picture of something, and it was a, like an article. It was a Guardian article, I think, mm-hmm. and it was called a vulva. Mm-hmm. She, she It was a, a picture of a woman's vagina, yeah. and she had named it a vulva, and a man said – Actually, that's a vagina. And then a woman who's very prominent on Twitter, I think her name is Jen Gunter, <laughs> broke in and said, actually, it's a vulva. And he was like, you need to know your biology or you're, you need to know what you're talking about. And she was like, I am a obstetri- obstetrician and gynecologist. And also, I, I'm an I owner one. of one of these. <laughs> and, and then he, got, he, he doubled down and he was like, it's about vernacular and what people use. And, and people were like, shut up. You have to shut up. No, literally. And he but why, would not. Why, why? He would not let go of it. it. Well, because it just speaks to. Also, a quick Google. It Well, but it speaks to. The ego and, and the how, ownership. That's right. And how you, you feel you, like it's your right to. If you feel that you are the dominant position in society, Jesus. then you get to correct people. It was amazing. This is Truly, but I had to say the replies on the thread with the gifts and what people were saying. Oh, God bless. Was worth. I can't the cringe. I can't. I hope. I hope that you. man went to sleep and just sort of like. I mean, people, the best of people, of course, like, were no. He didn't. He was so unaware. But people were just like, it's further proof that you ain't. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you call it because you're never gonna get near well, one. Well, sir. and what's upsetting <laughs> is it's like, oh well, you clearly like if you don't even know what it's called, then <laughs> don't really want you down by mine. <laughs> depends okay so so when you are masturbating with your clitoris you are touching your vulva that's right. not your vagina that's right cool so we're all on the same page there so what i love is that you can't have a book like this without explaining the history Are of sexual diagrams and pictures. Yes. Okay, great. But not on your audio book. No, but if you look at the um, when I was going through to do my notes, I did that sort of Kindle preview, and mm-hmm. she has some worksheets that accompany the some PDFs that accompany the audiobook. Great. And it really is wonderful. Like, look at this. This is I'm turning my computer screen around to Lisa. This is a screenshot of a of all the beetle, anatomy. So of that's a lady, ladybird. Well, so that's the full clitoris. I had no idea the full yeah, clitoris looks like that. My best friend Sarah has a ring. Did a we clitoris talk about this? A yes, clitoris and, I, and it's gorgeous. If you, ha- like I, had never fully seen a fully mapped clitoris. Well, it hadn't been mapped until like what? 2010. Thank you. It was like, it was, vi- or 2005. It was like, within the last 20 years, go look at it. It's so much bigger yeah. than I thought it was. And I, I don't mean and go look has, at a clitoris, like look at, look at the, a like drawing. the scientific Yeah, the drawing. It. it has one purpose. Just pleasure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
And it's way more densely packed with nerves than a man's penis. Well, a man's penis also has the urethra. Yeah. Well, we'll get to this, but a man's penis serves four functions. Okay. Right? I like the fact that they are multitasking. Well, it's like penetration, <laughs> urination, ejaculation, stuff, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, and, and ego. Ego. <laughs> Bigger pay. Better pay. <laughs> Privilege. And then the clitoris literally is just one fucking purpose. What Pleasure. Is the, what is the evolutionary reason for that? Does she talk about that in the book? Shh. Emily, come on the podcast. She probably will. What? She's really active on Twitter. What do you mean? Heather was like, Heather was like, she's super active. She'll probably come on. You should call her. Let's call it Emily. Hi. 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 Emily. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) We're fans. Okay. So she, everywhere that it's necessary, dives into sexual myths. How they came to be, why they're so pervasive, like, why people don't know the truth. sex and you won't get pregnant. Yeah. No, that's real, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so the here's, here's one that really jumped out at me. Hymen truths. Are we ready? There are so many of these. Yep. The hymen is a thin membrane along the lower edge of your vaginal opening. You may or may not have one. She says she guarantees that everything you've been taught about the hymen is wrong. The closest thing that she's heard to being true is that it can be painful during sex if it isn't used to being stretched. But the hymen doesn't doesn't break and stay broken forever like some kind of freshness seal. If it tears or bruises, it heals. I always check the freshness state on mine. And if it's if it's expired, then I oh, no. throw it out. I throw the whole woman out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get a new half. Uh-huh. You get a new lower I take her to a magician, a magician show, put her in the box, saw her in half, put another half on the bottom. It's great. Take it. There you go. No, I love it. It's expensive, but it's good. Because it um, I think we've all heard like, oh, well, remember you're, T.I. You're recently was like, my daughter, I took my daughter, I went with her to her gynecologist appointment to check and had the doctor check her hymen. She was 18, 19. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. And everybody was like, you're a moron. T.I., come on the podcast. <laughs> I'm serious. He's, he's been since schooled on Twitter and has made a, a, a correction. Oh, yeah. So I, I, the myth I grew up hearing, and this was biological fact as far as everyone was concerned, was you have a hymen. It's always there when, until you lose your virginity, and then the hymen breaks, and that's how people know if you're a virgin, right? I heard that um, it, you are born with a hymen. Mm-hmm. You can break it during, like, bicycle riding, horseback riding. Sure. B- right, right, right. contact activities. Right, but there is this idea that, like, you're sort of pure down there until something has disrupted the hymen. My one friend, who I will not name— Thought that it was kind of like something that was like a garage door. And when she was swimming in the ocean, she was afraid that like her garage door would go up and fish would swim into her vagina. And she was a real fear in her mid 30s when she told me this. And I, or early 30s, and I, um, I almost wanted to punch her in the face because I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I can't believe that you are walking around like a functioning adult thinking that you have a garage door in your vagina. That, but also like a fish swimming up there could be nice. Like, you don't know. Through your bathing suit? Like, how a fish going to swim up Look, there? Look, I still check for sharks in the deep end of the pool. It doesn't make sense, Lisa. I'm punching you in the face. I love you. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So if the hymen uh, if the hymen tears or bruises, 
it heals. So, And it usually doesn't bleed. It can atrophy over time with hormones, and it can become more flexible if it's stretched regularly through sex. Some women are born without hymens. There are many types of hymens. Some are fragile, some are durable, all the way past menopause. They vary because there's no biological purpose to the hymen. It's a bonus left over from evolution. But what is problematic are the cultural myths that have been made up about the hymen. Sure. That a woman is only a virgin if she has one. Or only worthy. Yep. She talks about how women have been killed for not having an intact hymen. Mm -hmm. And women have been told they couldn't have been raped because they had an intact hymen. She also talks about the absurdity of the idea of virginity and that the hymen is viewed as this gate to a gated community protecting a woman's most valuable real estate. A garage door. Her vagina. A garage door. (laughs) This myth about the hymen has nothing to do with biology and was only made up to control women's bodies. I love this. Mm -hmm. What the fuck does it look like? I don't know. All right, Emily, you're going to have to come on the podcast. Google it. Emily, come show us your hymen. Okay. Okay, keep going. So um, here is possibly the most revelatory thing okay. about sexual desire okay. that I've ever read. Okay. Is everyone listening? Okay, here we go. We all have an accelerator and a brake. This is the dual control model <laughs> yeah, we of do. sexual response. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So – It's the dual control model. So many people, she says, many people such as myself have found that the dual control model of sexual response, um, which proposes that we all have a sexual accelerator and sexual brakes and our central nervous system, can be an amazing revelation, providing incredible insight into our own sexuality. The dual control model describes the central mechanism that governs sexual arousal, which controls how and when you respond to sexually relevant sights, sounds, sensations, and ideas. According to this model, arousal actually consists of two processes, activating the accelerator Mm -hmm. and deactivating the brakes. Makes sense. Yep. Because if you stand on the brake and push down on the accelerator, nothing happens. Correct. Correct. But I think a lot of us think it's It's like a gas pedal or a brake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like I – Either or. Yes. So your level of sexual arousal depends on how much stimulation each one is getting and how sensitive they are. So here's what you need to know about each of these systems. Maybe so maybe you maybe you don't need a lot of gas pedal, mm-hmm. but you need a lot of deactivating the brake. Exactly. This is why it's revelatory. And she talks she spends so much time talking about how sex is context dependent. Everything. Like you could be so turned on and want sex so much but if your break like if if you're too many things are hitting your break yeah you're never gonna get there i have 14 loads of laundry to do exactly yeah and you haven't lifted a finger to help yeah yes and but your partner could also be like i lit all these candles and we went to a nice dinner and we did that like why is this not working so but some people have really really sensitive breaks and not sensitive accelerators. You said one and wrong thing and I'm done. Yes. Yeah. No, it really has. So this is really important to know because this is like. Why they called it frigid. They called women being frigid and that's not it. It's not it. No, I it's not it. I love this book. It's truly, and I'm, I am not doing this part justice, You're but it doing is truly an amazing. amazing. Job. You're doing an amazing job. She's so thorough. So. Misty, yes. in terms of delivering this book, you are pushing on my gas pedal and releasing my brake. 
Thank you. Yeah, and she was she talked about like imagine that uh she says your brake is actually more like your emergency brake in your car. Yes. If you have the emergency brake up yeah. and you're stepping on the gas pedal, you could still probably get to your destination, but, but it's gonna terrible be terrible sound. It's gonna take so much effort. Very mad about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the accelerator or sexual excitation system, SES, SES. It receives information about sexually relevant stimuli in sure, the environment, sure. things you hear, see, touch, taste, or smell that sure. your brain interprets yes. as like, oh, this is a sexual Contextually thing. Contextually as sex. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like, oh, I like that. It's just a sexual thing. Right. right? Like sometimes strawberries are just strawberries. But yeah. if somebody has plated strawberry, chocolate-covered right. strawberries yeah. and are hand-feeding them to you, right. that's different. Yes. Also, if people – a lot of women responded to images of – bonobos chimps having sex yeah your brain goes oh that's sexually relevant it doesn't mean people are getting turned on by watching chimps have sex it means the brain just goes that's a sexual thing there's no known uh bonobo uh killing and murder oh i know i loved that article they just have sex to relieve conflict i love it so much so um so your cess system sexual excitation system receives this information and sends signals from the brain to the genitals to turn on, to start to activate. Light light switch yep. on, gas pedal depressed. Right. It's constantly scanning for context for things that are sexually relevant. Um, context includes thoughts, feelings, fantasies. It's always at work, but below the level of consciousness. Sure, sure, sure. In general terms, its effect on you is to pursue sexual pleasure. Sure. So the accelerator is what turns you on. The brake or sexual inhibition system. Yes. Cis. So there's cess and there's cis. Listen, I like to have a lot of cess and I don't like a lot of cis. <laughs> so your cis scans the environment for anything the brain interprets as a good reason not to be aroused in that moment. Risk of STI transmission, unwanted pregnancies, pregnancies, social consequences, fear, et fear of the partner. Absolutely. And they, uh, this consists of neurological off signals. And also, your brain can only interpret so many things at the same time, and it will prioritize those things. So if you are going like, okay, I've got stress at work, and I've got to get the kids fed, and I've got to do this thing, and like you're in that same bandwidth channel, your brain's trying to go, but also like, look at this thing that's turning on, like your husband's kissing you, and isn't that nice? I have a question. Yeah. Do men also have an accelerator and a brake? Yeah, everybody does. Okay, everybody yes. does. That was, everybody that was does, but for women, we are so much more context dependent. Okay. It's the way our brains work. It's the cultural messaging we receive. Okay. It's that whole thing, okay, okay, which okay. she spends a lot of time talking about. And and the big thing in this book is all of women's sexuality up until this point has been based on men's, men's sexuality. sexuality. We are in the, that's through the, the male default. Gaze. Yes, that's the default. And then we we go, oh well, women's sexuality is men's sexuality light. Yeah. Or Oh, well, if women are different than men in this way, they must be broken because this is how sexuality works. That's not true. They work very differently. Got it. And we can't really compare them. Okay. Um, But so if you have all these things fighting for priority in your brain, Mm -hmm. uh, threatening things like you've got a big presentation coming up at work and you're feeling stressed about a conversation you had with your boss, you've got a lot to do to get the kids prepared for school. You feel uncomfortable about how you look. Yes. And these signals of arousal, like, you know, are trying to go, hey, turn on, turn on. Your brain literally deprioritizes that to pay attention to the larger threat, which is why you have, some women have a really hard time going into sexual arousal or desire unless you deal with those stressors, right? Does she talk about the effects of, like, alcohol or anything in this book? No, she doesn't. Interesting. No. 
but she does a lot of psychology. So there are actually two types of breaks. The external, which notices potential threats such as getting inappropriately aroused or fear of consequences. Mm -hmm. And then the internal, which has to do with the negative feelings about one's body and fears such as performance failure. And this is where a lot of women are like, oh, yeah, like I'm worried about how long it's taking me to orgasm or I'm worried he won't like the way I look. And so there's a lot to unpack here. So Emily writes, we can conceptualize all sexual functioning and sexual dysfunction, too, as a balanced or imbalance between brakes and accelerator. Okay, And it's really empowering to think of it that way because you're like, oh, we can break this into chunks and And address. And then I can start to address them. Yeah. Yeah. So arousal is the process of turning on the ons and turning off the offs. Mm -hmm. But whether you are turned on or turned off depends enormously on your context. Learning to appreciate the difference between the two systems, cess and cis, can help you realize how easily you can become aroused, what prevents or decreases your arousal, when you are most likely to want sex, or why your arousal can sometimes shut down. And then you can start to take control of your environment. So interesting. Mm -hmm. I really like this idea. Mm -hmm. And also it makes me think about media in a different light than how it's predominantly... White male driven in terms of writers, directors, yes. that sexuality presented on screen yes. has really shaped what we think is, like you said, it's all through yes. the male gaze. And then here's what happens. We see it on screen, especially the problematic sex scenes of the 90s. We're like, we're all supposed to come at the same time together just through vaginal penetration, which, by the way, less than a third of women can. Yeah. And... And uh, and then we have this inner monologue of like, well, why isn't that happening for me? Why isn't that my experience? Da 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 da. And then we start to shut down. Yeah. And then it becomes the a breaks, frustrating the cycle. Breaks, exactly. So she addresses all of this. That's amazing. Okay, it's good. amazing. So most people will fall under the medium category as far as like sexual accelerator, sexual break. But no matter how high or low you score on either scale, you can say to yourself, "I'm normal. Mm-hmm. I'm normal," which is so exciting. She has worksheets mm-hmm. on her Misty. website. EmilyNagoski.com. Um, it'll be in show notes again. And you can do a worksheet to try and help determine what turns you on and what turns you off, mm. which is so great. So already there's this empowering tools. And by the way, she cites research study after research study. She's a researcher herself. Like this is all backed up with incredible science. And she uses personal examples of friends and students. Oh, and but it, of herself too? Yeah, she does. Okay, uh-huh. She does. Um and it's amazing because it you get these narratives sort of woven throughout the book. Like nice. she'll start like, oh, this couple was having a sexual problem like this. And then she'll follow up with them in chapter seven and then again in chapter <gasps> oh. nine. And it's this really cool like format of the book. I love it. So if you are having trouble with any phase of sexual response, it would be wise to start by asking yourself, is it because the accelerator isn't being stimulated enough or is there something that's hitting my brakes? I love mm-hmm. that. It's it's like so simple when you think about it, but until you know that it's a dual control model, how would you know? I would think I'm going or I'm not. Not yeah. like, oh, I'm pressing a gas and a well, brake at the same time. that's how it's time. presented in culture and in media. Yeah. Um, so she walks us through so many scenarios and examples for how this can manifest itself in life, in different combinations, with different circumstances, and suggestions for what to do about it. Everything has I suggestions. Okay. So – Now we are going to talk about the pleasure center of the brain. Yeah, we are. Genital response for all humans 
indicates that they've been exposed to a sexually relevant stimulus. Yes. Something that their brain has learned through classical conditioning to respond to as a cue that sexual things are happening in the environment. True. Subjective arousal for all humans indicates that they've been exposed to a sexually appealing stimulus, Mm -hmm. something their brain perceives right now in this moment as being kind of hot. Yeah. This is reflected in the brain mechanism control. Uh, this is reflected in the brain mechanism controlling a lot of this. Your emotional brain has a thing that most journalists call the pleasure center of the brain. But it's not just a pleasure center. It responds to pleasant things with pleasure, liking, um, yes, but may or may not activate desire, wanting, and vice versa. And the third system is about learning what counts as relevant to a particular motivational system. Mm. So I'm going to show you. Well, we talked about liking versus wanting and and expecting. Yeah, but, um, I'm thinking in um in uh, uh, the upside of your dark side. We talked about the liking versus wanting, right? Mm. Like I like the idea of a dog. Mm. But I don't want to get up and walk the dog at yes. 6 a.m. every yes. day. Yes. So we have trouble discerning between those two. And it's interesting they're talking about from a pleasure center. Correct. And what we have learned um, is that the pleasure center is not just about pleasure. It's a really dynamic mm-hmm. system consisting of a bunch of different cues. I mean – Obviously, if so, we would have taken two seconds to think about yeah. it, but instead we're like, it's the pleasure center. Well, we just think off. like we like it or we don't. Yes, exactly. So in the book, she talks about all the different combinations that you can experience depending on what's going on with the pleasure center in your brain. For example, you can be the expectant part can be turned on. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm expecting that sex is going to happen mm-hmm. without the liking or wanting. That's dread. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you're in a an abusive relationship yeah. and you know an unwanted sexual encounter is coming, yeah. your brain expects it. Sexually relevant in Or if you're harassed at work or something mm-hmm. like that you're, or walking yeah, yeah, yeah. the streets. Yeah. Or you can like and expect sex without wanting it. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's all these different combinations. It's very complex. Um, this is an incredible chapter to read if you're going like, well, what goes wrong with want my... you want and like sex without expecting it. Exactly. Afternoon delight. Afternoon delight. Um, so she says, with apologies for the terrible analogy, think about it like Pavlov's dogs. Yeah. Dogs automatically salivate when food is put in front of them by ringing a bell and presenting food together over and over. A dog will learn that a bell is food-relevant stimulus. That's right. And will begin to salivate with the bell alone. That's right. Does that mean the dog loves to eat bells? No, people. No. It means the bell is food-relevant. Does that mean the dog so, loves to eat So bells? what we're really trying to differentiate here, and this is a huge... <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I was <laughs> looking at I my notes. I said, does that mean the dog loves to eat balls? Yeah. I think I, think I got a giggle out of Sav. Was that true? <laughs> it was a delay. So it's so important to discern between what we are taught when we are young and not even conscious of it. Right. What's sexually relevant. Right. And she talks about these great experiments with rats where like a rat that was exposed to this this smell of fresh lemons mm-hmm. while being exposed to like a female rat in estrus, mm-hmm. like forever will get turned on by, lemon. by the smell well, of lemons. how fetishes, true sexual fetishes are yeah. born. Yes. And nobody, like sometimes there's just context there when you have your first sexually relevant experience, mm-hmm. like many, many toddlers and infants masturbate 
in the crib. Mm-hmm. And if they just find that a part of their body feels good and there's that. And then like if Twinkle Twinkle Little Star happens to be playing most of the time while they're doing that, they might get really turned on by that song as adults, right? Just whatever context happens to be there. And we don't choose it. No. We don't choose what's planted in our brains by our families or That's the context, That's why you should raise children with no music. Right. So here's what's so fucking important. Our vaginas do not know what we want and like. Our vaginas only know what's sexually relevant. Our brains know what we like. I'll, I'll, I'll make more right. sense of Our this. vagina doesn't have its own brain. It's just reacting what the brain is telling it when it's time to turn on, right? Yeah. If you see... Okay. So here's, here is a, uh, an example she uses in the book. A friend of hers admitted to her that when he was in college, he walked in on a friend of his having sex with a woman Mm -hmm. who was unconscious. And she says the technical term for that is rape. rape. Right? So the friend said, hey, do you want to try this? And he walked in and he said, no, man, we got to go. Right? He didn't call the cops. Mm. He didn't say, get the fuck off of her. What the fuck are you doing? Because he walked in. And he saw that sight. He was disgusted by it. He was horrified by it. But he got an erection. Sure. And he was ashamed. He was thinking, like, why? I don't feel turned on. Why did I get this erection? Because this is wrong. Well, a sexual act and your brain was like. That's sexually relevant. Yeah. Right? So this is a really, really striking example of something where we're like, we're not into this, et cetera. And he could have been the hero and said, Get the fuck off her. I'm calling the cops. Turned his friend in. Found At the very least, found that woman's friend. You know, that kind of thing. But because of the shame, because we don't know that these are different systems. Right. Right? So it's really important that we do this. So she says there's a dark. That's why sometimes yes. victims of sexual assault yes. will experience sexual exactly. pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. And they feel incredible shame. Yes. There, She says there's a dark, horrible consequence of the mistaken idea that our vaginas know what we really want. So right. people go... Oh, well, if you didn't it. like it, then why were you wet? Yeah. If you didn't like it, well, why'd you orgasm yeah. during the sexual assault, right? Um, so sometimes genitals respond during sexual assault. Sometimes a person might even have an orgasm during a rape. Are we going to say that genital response means the person really wanted or liked what happened to them when every single other part of their mental and physical experience was a frozen horror at this traumatic experience? I'm certainly not. Are you? So this – because here's the problem. A lot of feminists are like, see, women really are turned on more than you think. Da-da-da-da. There's this pervasive thing in feminism and – it's everywhere in culture. Like because the pendulum swinging? Yes. Yes. So this temptingly feminist-sounding, sex-positive-sounding stories, like some of them, is the same story that rape apologists have been using for centuries to say that a woman really wanted a sexual encounter because her genitals responded. And Emily says, fuck that. Yeah. So this is super important Mm -hmm. because – if judges really understood this, you yeah. know, it would Prosecutors, really— Prosecutors, yep. defense attorneys. Here's another concept that I loved that you and I have talked about and mentioned a few times, okay. but I've never heard it covered in a book. Yes. Health at every size. Yes. She says— There's a book called Health at Every Size. Yes. And she recommends a few books in this section that she loved. Great. She says— 
totally research-backed, times a thousand. Yep. Weight is not a measure of health. Yep. And there's a ton of research to prove it. But society has been fed this myth about weight and health, cor- like about weight and health correlation for so long that it's very hard to change the public's mind. Yep. She says, torturing ourselves to reach our medically defined ideal weight can not only not improve our health, it can impair it. Mm-hmm. In fact, being slightly underweight carries more risks to your health than being obese. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's destructive for medical professionals to continue perpetuating this idea that weight is a measure of health. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is in the section of the book that's all about how we feel about our bodies yeah. and how that uh, affects our, our sex lives. What matters, says Emily, is healthy behaviors. It's about living joyfully inside of your body exactly as it is today. Mm -hmm. Weight is a measure of gravity and nothing else. That's right. There are four major tenets to this idea of health at every size. One, accept your size. Mm -hmm. Two, trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Three, adopt healthy lifestyle habits, including joyful physical activity and healthy, nutritious food. Four, embrace size diversity. Mm -hmm. Welcome your body, just as it is, listen to your own internal needs and make healthful decisions. She says that what it comes down to is acknowledging the possibility that you were already beautiful instead of conforming to some social standard that we are shamed into. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Okay. So um, we've already talked about sexually relevant information versus what is appealing to us. Um, the one last argument she makes about this, which I think is so great, she says, look, genital response is just a reflex to what your brain interprets as sexually relevant. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when your doctor hits your patella tendon and your leg automatically juts out, it doesn't mean you wanted to kick your doctor. <laughs> or when your body sneezes. I did. I did. Yep. Or when your body sneezes in reaction to pollen, it doesn't mean that you hate flowers. It's an automatic bodily response. It's not indicative of whether a person likes something or not. Yeah. I love that argument. So the next time somebody says that, you go, nope, here's two more automatic processes. Yeah. Right? Um, (laughs) Highly recommend the part where she (laughs) rewrites the scene from Fifty Shades of Grey. I cannot wait to listen to that. So Christian Grey's like spanking Anastasia, who's who's like, oh, I don't like that. And he's like, you do. See how wet you are? You like this, Anastasia. And she goes, here's how this scene really should be written. And it goes something like, See how wet you are, Anastasia? This is telling me that your brain is interpreting contact with your genitals and buttocks as sexually relevant. But do you actually like it? Oh, no? You're not sure? Let me try something else. Is this comfortable? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the the accurate way of how it goes. So here's, here's the question that a lot of men ask. Well, if so my wife tells me she's ready to go and she's roaring for sex, but she's not wet. Right? So what happens then? There is this term called genital non-concordance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your genitals don't do what you want them to in many different contexts. Men are familiar with this. That's right. <laughs> you really want to have sex, you're ready to go, and your penis won't get erect. Most men have dealt with this at some point in their lives or multiple times. Um, but it happens in women, too. Sometimes women really want sex and they don't get wet. It's the same way that, like, we don't want our our vaginas to be responding to mm-hmm. something that feels inappropriate, but they do. Mm-hmm. Genital non-concordance is what this is called. 
Um, it's scientifically proven that it's normal and it's true that women who want sex don't always get wet and vice versa. She urges us to trust our partner's words, not their bodies. But a lot of men will go. She uses a lot of examples. Yeah, but like she says she's ready to go, but she's not wet. So I know she's just humoring me and she's just being nice and like she doesn't actually want sex. And the the wives are getting so frustrated or the, you know, the female partners are like, no, I do. And mm-hmm. the men are like, well, how do I know? And Emily just goes, trust what they're saying. Oh, just listen to what they're saying. I'm never getting married. Yeah. I'm never having sex again. <laughs> I'm already on uh-huh. <laughs> It's been a really long time. <laughs> no, I'm not crying. You are crying. <laughs> okay. So, again, she's she keeps coming back to context. Context yeah. is everything. Context, you know, in comedy, we learn that too. Context is king. I can laugh at uh, something terrible only if I've been prepped with the appropriate context. Mm-hmm. So, for example... So for activating your uh, your accelerators, your brakes, arousal, orgasm, everything, it, it matters. So, for example, tickling. Tickling in the right context can be so fun and playful and welcome. But if you're angry and your partner comes up and tickles you, <laughs> how do you feel about it now? I love doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the best. I love it. doesn't make me get rigid and stressed and, like, stiff. Anyway, here. It's so fun to watch somebody... I it's know. so fun to watch that confluence of, or what's the con, what sexual con, what was the word when your when your vagina doesn't match with your non concordance? Non concordance. It's fun to watch the non concordance between anger and laughing. Yes, that is very fun. Oh my god! My other favorite example of this is when you have a squirt gun mm. and you aim it at somebody because it is just water. But people get so angry. Don't you do that? Yeah. Don't you yeah, do? <laughs> don't you do that? And you're like, it is a tiny squirt of water, and, and I, you will dry. And you and you and you throw, don't you? Don't, and then you squirt them, and they're like, <gasps> they have a huge reaction, and it's just a squirt. I, it's my favorite thing. I want everyone to know that Lisa's eyes are lit up with the joy of antagonism. <laughs> I do love to antagonize. <laughs> Okay, so here's the very, very last big concept, and there's so many more in this book, and everybody, please read it, please buy I'm, it, buy I'm, it for I'm somebody. I've already bought it. This is huge, completing the stress cycle. Okay. The stress, because stress is one of the biggest, it, it affects everything in our lives. Just general stress, or are you talking about like sexual stress? No, general stress. Okay. But that can translate easily into... Inhibiting your sex life and making giving you problems with desire, orgasm, pleasure, but also stress in our bodies. We know that it can cause disease and destruction. I'm fine. You seem fine. <laughs> so complete, the stress cycle is a biological response in our bodies that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's built to help us run away from lions that might eat us. It's that fight or flight, okay. right, that kicks in. Or freeze. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. how it evolved. Yes, or freeze. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Fight, flight, or freeze, which is why... Some women, by the way, freeze is the most dire response because if you're fighting, you think you have a chance to survive. If you're if you're flighting, flighting, thank you. You think you have a chance to survive, but animals only freeze as a last minute consequence to make their predator think that they're dead. Yeah. So that is the most dire one. Yes, That's the most dire response. But a lot of women beat themselves up for going. Why did I? 
freeze during the rape? Yeah. Why did I why did I not or, fight? And that it doesn't have to be yep. an assault. It can just be I got catcalled. Why didn't I say anything? Yes. My boss yes. said something inappropriate. Why didn't I and say I froze. anything? Yes, exactly. So what happens is we perceive a threat like a lion, but our, our brains today do not know the difference between getting critical feedback at work and a lion chasing a threat us. Is a threat is a threat is a, a threat. threat. Exactly. The same physiological yes. response happens. Yes. So we cannot differentiate between traffic on our morning commute and and be about to be eaten by a lion. A lot of times we will stop the stress cycle midway through mm-hmm. and compartmentalize or numb or just not address it. Premature distressulation. Yeah. Yes. That is there. the technical. See what I did there? I loved it. It was a smart person joke. Thank We're you. We're here for it. So this is a problem because until it completes the cycle, you literally just store the stress in your body. This is what happens to my body all the time. Yes. So, but in order to actually rid stress from our systems, notice she did not say eliminate the stressors. Sure. She said rid stress from our systems um, because often it's impossible to eliminate the stressors, right? We have to go through the cycle and get back to a place where our brains recognize that we are safe. So, for example, if a lion actually does chase us, we run away, we, we escape, we get to the village where we all help conquer the lion, and then we eat the lion for dinner. And then we feel really safe. Just, my my village is vegan. Okay. We that's... just, we hiss at it. We yeah. all form, as an artist group, yeah. an artist collective, we form yeah. one giant lion with our yes. bodies and we terrify it and it runs away. Right. So now you are in the warmth of the fire with mm-hmm. full bellies, mm-hmm. with your tribe. You've with escaped, quinoa in our bellies. And your body literally goes, I'm safe <sighs> again. Mm-hmm. And you got through the stress cycle. So, um... The whole point is to get your body back to a place where it goes, I'm safe. Okay, I'm safe, biologically. So some things you can try to complete the stress cycle are— Taking a big poop. Maybe. Okay. Actually, maybe. I feel very safe Safe. after I've taken a big poop. I do too, and and like there's room to move forward. Yeah. So number one, you can move. Anything that actually makes your body feel like it has escaped from the lion, okay. right? So running, dance, yoga, stretching, just a walk, tightening, and then relaxing your muscles for 20 seconds at a giving time. Giving that excess energy yes. off of yeah. the muscles. Yeah, because if you, if you watch a frozen animal that has played dead, like a possum, and the, the predator leaves it alone— when the possum unfreezes, it literally like shudders yes. and comes back to life. And that shuddering is it releasing That's the stress what hormones. My dogs do when they're like after they bark, like Zoe will bark, 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 yeah, bark yeah. at somebody who walks up the street, and when she's sure that they're gone, <laughs> she shakes it off. It's that. Yeah. And that is the body ridding them of stress. So we have <sighs> to do the same to. thing. <laughs> you do. Also, a tw- <laughs> that was I liked it. I really liked it. A 20-second hug. Can also help. A 20-second hug is a long-ass hug. Mm-hmm. A good night's sleep. It's actually true that if you sleep on a problem, you'll feel better in the morning. But think about this. Oh, she's still hugging herself. She's still going. 15, 16, 17, <laughs> 18, 20. Do you feel better? <sighs> you know, it was a lot. I do. Yeah. So for me, completing the stress cycle is often a big cry. Yeah. I can, like, I will just store stress in my body and then, like, Two weeks of storing, I hit a quota, and then I have a big, big, big cry 
but it lets me get it out. It completes the stress yeah. cycle. That's why I feel so much better after a big cry. I will say that the only time in the past year that I felt completely stress-free was when I floated in, in the tank. Yes, in the depri- the sensory deprivation tank. Well, it, it's not just a separate because it's quite large, but it is mm. that, and it's over in Pasadena. And that's where every single muscle in my body finally relaxed. It took the full 40 minutes. I bet. And my respiratory, yeah. like my re- my respiratory breaths were down to like I want to say like sixteen a minute. Yeah. Like it was very low, yeah. and yes, it was great. You can get a partner to massage you. You can go get a massage. Whatever makes you go, oh, I'm safe mm-hmm. and I'm cared for. But this is really important because if you're able to eliminate that stress, it opens up your brain for arousal, okay. for feeling safe, just for better health. And balance. In so before general. sex, you and your partner should vigorously shake. Yeah, maybe. But some people, for about twenty percent of people, they're called redliners. Stress turns them on and activates them, and they need sex to, to de-stress. <gasps> so yeah. sex is their de-stress. Yeah, for twenty percent of people. Oh my God, what if you're matched with the opposite? Like she talks about a couple that's mismatched, Jeez and how they conquer it. Okay, Seriously, good. her examples are so incredible I in love this it. book. There's I love something it. for everybody. I can't wait. So, of course, she has a whole chapter on orgasms, and it's so wonderful, and it covers everything from what orgasms are to orgasm myths to what to do if you've never had an orgasm, how to have better ones. Um, She also asks, we should not be asking this question, how come so many women can't orgasm from vaginal penetration? We should be asking, how come some some women do? That's so interesting. Yeah. How come there's a few? Also, get this. If we are, we are expected uh, normal, you know, the past science tells us that we should be just, we're expected to act just like men in our sexuality, except when it comes to the actual act of sex. Then suddenly we're supposed to do something that's exclusively female and orgasm just by vaginal penetration. Mm -hmm. But the equivalent of that, so think about it. If we really are comparing ourselves to men's sexuality, men orgasm by stimulating the homologue of the clitoris, which is the head of their penis. Mm-hmm. They have clitoral orgasms, right? Yeah, That's what do. happens. That saying that a woman should have an orgasm just by vaginal penetration is like saying a man should have an orgasm just by stimulation of the prostate or just by stimulation of the perineum, which is the section between the scrotum and oh, the I anus. Know, I know what it is. So that's so It's right out it's right behind the scrotum riffraff. The riffraff Riff raff, make you. Mac Daddy, make you. Do you know that song? Jump around. Jump, jump, jump. Oh, the stress cycle. Jump around. Jump, jump. And Misty has brought it full circle. Do you remember in the beginning when I was like, I'm afraid I'll say something dumb because of nerves? It's happening. Listen, you're doing great. Um, so that, but that's huge. It is when huge. you go, when, when, I, you know, I think we've all, a lot of us have had partners who have gone, well, why you didn't? You didn't come from vaginal penetration. Yeah, oh no! And you're like, yeah, no, nobody's gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Let it. me just stroke your perineum. You tell me how that goes. Turn around. Turn. Turn. Turn around. Uh. Uh. Riff raff will make you jump. Jump. Misty Mac will make you jump. Jump. We'll but take not, that out. Not post. with just the perineum. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So that is. Just a brief overview of Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life by Emily Nagoski, PhD. Normally I say we can't cover every single thing in the book, and if you liked it, buy it. Buy the book. Buy Buy the the book book for somebody, anybody. Listen to her podcast. It's all going to be in show notes. Um, Her second book, 
that she co-authored with her sister, her twin sister, Amelia, Emily and Amelia, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Um, oh, yeah. I, I saw that. It's for women who feel overwhelmed and exhausted by all they have to do, yet worry they're not doing enough. Do I know anybody who suffers from that? I don't know what you're talking about. Can you hand me another coffee? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now we launch into our question yeah, portion, and we're uh-huh. doing great on time. Um, uh, Misty, mm-hmm. did this book need to be written? Oh, my God. <laughs> Decades ago, centuries ago. Yes, yes, a thousand percent. Um, we have already talked a lot about what the author got right mm-hmm. in her inclusivity mm-hmm. and uh, really reframing and restructuring for everybody. Yeah. And what, if anything, did she get wrong? Nothing. Okay. And and I don't normally say that. Know, and you know. you know, something else I want to point out that she really did right, she includes a lot of stuff in there for men. Mm-hmm. She does because this is this is not... This is partnership. So much of sex is is with another person, yeah. right? And so there's a lot of going, hey, men, if you think this is what it is, it's actually this. Yeah. Or, like, consider this. Or this is how both of you can reach better pleasure. Like, it well, really is so inclusive. You've, lead, you've leaded me. Thank Leaded? You, into my next question, which is who is this book perfect for? Anyone with a vagina who knows someone with a vagina who is up close and personal with a vagina in a sexual way. Right. Who is this book terrible for? Um, this book is terrible for, you know, it's funny. I was going to say like, (laughs) Brock Turner's judge. And then I'm like, no, this is great. This is great for him. Um, this is, I, this is going to be really hard for people to read if they are coming from a lot of messaging about cultural oppression or maybe, um, really, really strict religious yeah. ideas. Yeah. But it's but it doesn't hate on any of that. It just yeah. might make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. Uh. What are the other questions we ask? I just um, did. What did I put into practice from this book, and how did it affect me? Well, I'm curious and eager and ready. Bish, you bet. I'm going to complete the stress cycle <laughs> as often as I can. <laughs> I I also haven't done this yet because I was busy listening to 12 hours and doing notes uh-huh. uh, for this book, but I, I'm going to do the worksheets okay, about what hits my accelerator, what hits my brakes. And um, I'm going to assign you the same homework, but I don't want you to share it because it's a personal thing. What if I want to share? You totally can. Up to you. Mm-hmm. Something else everybody could do. Are you ready for this? Yeah. This, is a, this is a doozy. I want every lady to go look at her genitals. Okay. I want you to pull out a mirror and see it. Okay. Because it's crazy that if, a lot of us have never seen if it. If it's possible for you. If not, can you find a trusted partner to yeah. help you with the mirror, take a picture, mm-hmm. and show you? Yeah. And she has a lot of techniques in the book for how to um, start giving less attention to critical thoughts and start bringing in more loving thoughts about your body, exactly as it is. Cool. Um, she's just the best. Um, and this was 100% practical. Not woo woo at all. I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm so overwhelmed. No, no, no. With and that's it. And no, I, and that's that's it. So like, you've got some homework, but don't share it if you don't want to. Um, and I just this book blew my mind. And I, I again, I walked away going like, oh my god, I'm normal. I'm so I'm normal. All the things that I thought were wrong with me, or that I've been worried about, or I've been having mm. stress, like it just sort of automatically takes the pressure off. She really addresses absolutely everything. I love that. So that makes me very happy for you. Ah, thank you. So and for ladies, me and for all of us. gentlemen, non-binary folks, 
Come May, as you are. Come as you are. May your sexual empowerment and orgasms and freedom. Stop. I just need you to know that her hands are on her head and she is rolling her head I'm in her head. So she's head says whips this. because I'm feeling it. May all of the good sexual vibes be, be abundant. abundant. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at G-H-Y podcast, or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.